0: Good evening, Eric. How are you, sir? Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. I got my Skype working, and I see that my call is recording, and technology is not going to hinder me. I'm very excited. Cool. Awesome. Ah, Okay, so welcome to Tapstream's mobile podcast. Tapstream is rocket fuel for mobile apps. We help mobile apps grow. You are Eric Sufert, which is kind of like doesn't even need explanation, but just in case why don't we start with you saying my name is Eric and this is where I've been and this is where I'm at
1: Sure. Uh, my name's Eric. I'm the VP of user acquisition at Rovio in Helsinki. Um, prior to that I've, I've worked in gaming in, in free-to- play gaming um, for about four years. And before that, I was at Skype, so I've been in Freemium for about five years. Um, yeah, that's about it. I, I run the, the industry blog, uh, Mobile Dev Memo, and about a year ago, I released a book called Freemium Economics, uh, which is available on Amazon and published by uh, Elsevier.
0: And I admit to having not read, but have heard that it is brilliantly well done. Very data heavy, not exactly like a you know smooth uh, Agatha Christie read, but like full of the best information out there. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, <laughs> that was the plan. Yeah, that
1: was the plan. I mean, I I kind of the intention uh, when I started writing it was was to kind of produce like a textbook. Um, so that, you know, people could reference it, you know, for for years and years. So um, it's not very anecdotal, um, and it's, it's really, like, sort of high concepts, um, and it kind of just it kind of explores, like, some of the economic principles uh, and, and sort of, like, data analytics uh, techniques that are kind of, um, you know, inherent in operating a, a, a freemium product. So... Those things, I think, are, are pretty timeless, um, but they're also not like um, you know case studies. It's it's, it's yeah, very much...
0: Yeah, it doesn't fill with pretty infographics and big logos.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, There's a lot of charts, actually. Like I actually commissioned a, um, a graphic artist to do charts, and I believe the end total was something like 80. Um, so there's a ton of drawings but they're they're mostly like kind of to just to illustrate a point they're not you know screenshots or anything like that yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. um you're from texas right
1: yeah from texas from houston
0: and now you are in helsinki so i feel like not that many people have made that journey in their life i mean i'm sure there's some but it's not like there's a huge pool of you what is helsinki like and specifically what is the game thing in helsinki like
1: Helsinki is a nice place. I so
0: I, I lived here
1: um, from two thousand when was it two thousand eleven to two thousand and thirteen, and then I moved to Berlin, and then I moved back um, like a month and a half ago. So, I mean, I obviously didn't hate it uh, the first time. It's 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 a really nice it's a really nice city. It's it's I want to say the metro area is something like a little bit over a million people, so it's not huge. Um, it's got a really nice kind of downtown um, it's it's, uh, it's you know really well connected by public transport but I mean beyond that the gaming the gaming community here is, is really 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 uh, fantastic uh, there's tons of startups now um, there are uh, you know big companies like Rovio and, and supercell um, there there are a lot of events taking place all the time so it's it's a really great place to work in gaming um, I think one of the cool things about Helsinki in terms of in terms of the gaming kind of ecosystem is that, you know, when, when you meet someone that works in free-to-play gaming, chances are they've only been working in, in gaming for a few years, um, and, and if they have been working in gaming for longer than that, it's generally, like, in an EA-type capacity or whatever with, like, a history in console development or whatever, so, like, they, they may have only been working in free-to-play for, like, two years. Even if they've been working in gaming for, for ten or fifteen, and, but but when you ask, you know, when you meet somebody that works in gaming in Helsinki, that the, the free to play portion of that 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 sort of career is is usually the majority, or like a, a much higher percentage, um, because people have been doing free to play in Helsinki for for years and years. So like, it, it, I think it's probably like the city with the highest concentration of people that have been doing free to play for like five, six, seven years, which is cool. Um, so there's like a lot of experts, and I think that's why there's so many startups um, getting funded here, is, is that you, know, you get you know, one or two guys who have been working, or one or two people who have been working in free-to-play for a really long time, and they just have fundable ideas, whereas that's probably not the case with as much density as it is um, in other big cities, even that have like, strong tech scenes.
0: So I'm in Vancouver, Canada, for example, and Vancouver has some cool startup stuff going on. Vancouver historically has been a big player in the game space, especially back in the console days, not so much these days, tragically. Um, But there's sort of this famous cycle of EA growing, casting off all its seeds, all those people starting games companies, some of those games companies growing, casting off the seeds again. And it's it's really can be sort of attributed back to EA being such a presence here long ago. Is no idea mm-hmm. what got that started over there.
1: Yeah, Digital Chocolate, I think, um, for uh, sure. Oh I, yeah, I, I it's it's almost like that kind of uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing. Like if you talk to anybody in Rovio or wherever, any, any any anybody that works in gaming in Helsinki, they probably worked with somebody or did work at Digital Chocolate. I mean, they probably work with somebody now that worked at Digital Chocolate, or they themselves worked at Digital Chocolate. It just because I mean, Digital Chocolate was um, this company Sumaya, which which was uh, started by the 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 CEO and co-founder of Supercell. Now, so I mean, he started that, and then it got acquired by Digital Chocolate, and then a lot of people left to start Supercell, and then Supercell started pushing a lot of people from Digital Chocolate, and then Romeo started pushing a bunch of people from Digital Chocolate. So. And you know, so many people went through Digital Chocolate. I think that, that's probably that. There's, there's that. There's. I mean, there's a bunch of like sort of like um, old gaming companies here, but I think Digital Chocolate is probably the one that that produced. I don't know the the big startups now.
0: Yeah. Um. Your job title is head of UA. VP of UA. VP of UA. So growth at Rovio is like what you go to bed thinking about and wake up thinking about, right?
1: Growth and cross-promotion, so, like, extracting value from the network. Actually, that that sounds, I don't know, that sounds kind of, like, technical and and, uh, uh, commercially sort of, like, focused. I I say, like, getting new people into the games and getting the people that play our games to play even more of our games.
0: Yeah, okay, so let's start there. How many games do you have, per se? Like, what does your active portfolio look like right now?
1: Uh I, I actually don't know the exact number. It's big. There's a lot. Um and actually there's more games that I even knew about when I when I joined, I was surprised to yeah, see how many games there were. Uh there were games I never heard of.
0: In preparing for this call, I looked at the page and also, you know, like I obviously know about it, the Angry Birds and all the Angry Birds variations, and then saw a bunch of other things, some of which I'd played and was like, Oh yeah, Rogueo did that and that was super good. You guys did Tiny Thief, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And then there was a bunch of others where I was like, oh, I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Interesting to see.
1: Yeah, well, that's why it's hard to answer that question because there's, there's Rovio and then there's Rovio Stars, which is the publishing, um, the publishing program. And so it's kind of like, well, are those games are Rovio games. But yeah, we, we, there, it, it's a huge portfolio.
0: And do you, are you concerned with the Rovio Stars portfolio as well? Like, are you across the entire thing? Are you only the in-house games?
1: No, Rovio Stars, uh, too. Actually, I was just out of uh, the country yesterday um, meeting with the Rovio Stars uh, developer. So, yeah, we we cover acquisition for for everything. I mean, it it depends on the the structure of the agreement. So if they want to do it, you know, and they have a good reason why they should do it, then it's it's not a problem. They can do it.
0: Yeah. It would be hard to imagine having a great reason relative to your personal as well as Rovio's corporate experience. I think most... People would be like, "Yeah, I wanna, I, I wanna plug into that. That's a like super valuable resource you have over there." Mm. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe ego gets in the way in such things.
1: No, well, I, uh, I think the situation's, yeah. Well, yeah, may, maybe. I
0: don't know. <laughs> um, how big is your team? Uh, six people. It's six people and. Um, is, like, what does, does organic growth and sort of that kind of thing fall under your domain as well, or are you literally just about budgets, and when the game's done, we're going to spend this much, and we're going to try and make this much?
1: Um, no, I guess, I, so, I mean, I guess my role at at Rubier, like I said, is to get new players into the games, and then get the existing players to play more games, so, that, yeah, that encompasses organic, but what we do a lot of in my team and, and what I have just generally think is like the sort of core of user acquisition is testing. So we test everything, and, and part of that testing is making sure that people click on our ads, that we're making ads that people want to click on. Part of our testing is, is getting the game teams to make games that are conducive to making good ads. And so, part of that, you know, obviously that that sort of ends up um, impacting the organic reach or sort of like the um, the organic potential of the games, right? So, if we make games that, that that are appealing from an ad perspective, then we also kind of make games that are appealing from like a virality perspective um, and and a uh, you know a social sharing perspective and a word of mouth perspective. So, so yeah, I mean, all of that is kind of inherent in what we do. Um, and then we also the, the people on my team sort of own the relationship with with the platform operators so um, so yeah I mean uh, any, any sort of um, distribution help we get from them is is, is kind of a result of that of those relationships but but yeah I mean I, I I think that just just to kind of like step back from that question I think um, my point is that I don't necessarily look at you know this finished product and say okay now I'm responsible for, or my team, our team is responsible for driving traffic to that product. Um, I see our position in the company as sort of being present um, throughout the development of the, of the game, right? So that we're constantly sort of feeding back data into into the, the, the development so that it, it's this, this game when it is done is reaching the, the total, uh, the, the, the greatest possible number of people and appealing to the greatest possible number of people. Um, so, so it's not so much about, like, saying, this is organic, that doesn't belong to me, this is paid, this belongs to me, it's more about, like, how can we make this game be as appealing as possible, and sort of, um, as magnetic as possible, and, and so, of course, yeah, organic traffic kind of, um, is kind of like, uh, a byproduct of that.
0: So if Rovio is doing pre-production on a brand new title, they think they've got a cool idea, the designer in-house has this thing they're excited about, And they're kind of pitching this. Maybe it's got past one meeting and it's interesting internally. Do you get brought in that early into the process? I would hope
1: to be in the process earlier than that. I would hope that the designer comes to me and says, Hey, you know, I had this dream about a funny character. What do you think about this? And then we test it.
0: And when you test, um, so if testing is kind of the cornerstone of growth, are there any external tools you guys are using for testing? Is there any SDKs by anybody? Or have you guys built everything in-house? What kind of technology can listeners of this podcast pick up on and say, oh, Rovio uses, you know, Company X or whatever it is? It's, it's a mix. Um,
1: it's, it's a mix of sort of... I don't want to reveal too much. I mean, I think the process is, is, is very much proprietary. And so I think if I give away... The tools we use, I might be giving away the process a little bit, but I, I, I think in general, um, you, you could run a test using any any anything that that touches people on mobile, right? So I mean, if you want to test, um, you know, how likely are people to sort of share uh, a screenshot of this game? You could do that on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and you could just measure it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um. So, you've been in UA for a while, um, UA, do you think your job's going to look similar to what you do now in three years? Let's assume that you're still VP of UA at Rovio, or maybe some other interesting company, but you're still growing mobile games, do you think that your job looks pretty similar to what you're doing now? Do you think the industry is going to be very different in three years? Um. I think the day-to-day would
1: look a lot different. I, I hope, I genuinely hope that the industry moves towards a lot more programmatic buying. And so I think the tools that we would use would be a lot different. So I don't think people would be like setting bids, you know, um, on a sort of like regular interval and like checking, checking bid, checking like sort of LTV thresholds from some, some sort of dashboard. I, I hope that's all being done kind of automatically and... Um, and, you know, kind of being fed back into this into this system that, that sort of, like, updates itself. So, I mean, I, I, I think, like, the sort of fundamentals are the same. Like, yeah, we, we need to just get lots of people into the games and blah, blah, But I think the way I'm seeing the industry converge now, um, I don't necessarily think people would think about, like, LTV versus CPI in, in, this, in the way that they do now. I think it's it's going to be more about, like, this all-encompassing idea of, like, brand equity. Um that'll come from like these properties that probably span multiple sort of media media. So like, um, you know, how, how does this game that we release impact our activities on X, you know, medium and increase the revenue we drive from Y medium. So I think in, in that sense, it, it'll probably be like at another level, another abstraction level up, um, yeah. looking at sort of like user base growth from like a very sort of like, cross-property perspective, um, but still very much driven by metrics.
0: And at this point, well, and that's what's interesting about what you're saying, is that you're talking about something broader, something that's cross-channel, something that is brand awareness, and yet, arguably, one of the great powers, sort of, of our industry is that it is so metrics-driven. Like, on the bad days, we all hate that. But on the good days, it's very, it's very awesome. It's very easy to measure your, per, your success, your performance, to understand whether this is a good campaign or not. It will be interesting to see if that does get abstracted out or whether those core components... You know, it's like the, the Mac computers versus the IBM computers. My dad ran a PC computer shop growing up my entire life. He doesn't like Macs because they're like toasters. You know, the kids know how to do all sorts of cool things on them very quickly. The moment it breaks, nobody knows what's going on. It's just like, oh, I don't know how the insides of this machine works. It just does its thing. Do you think UA is going that way? Or do you think that we will always have these, like, core number-driven thesis at the base of what we're doing?
1: Well, it'll be numbers-driven, but I think it will be a little bit more of a black box because I think, you know, the the... Um, the mechanics uh, that it, that would be driving this sort of acquisition would be uh, you know algorithmically sort of operated so that you know it'd be too sophisticated for like me to understand or, or, or like follow right i mean if if all the if all the, pro, if all the buying is being done programmatically which is not it's not a leap right that's not that's 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 what's happening on desktop. i mean that's, that's definitely going to happen on mobile it's just a matter of like the infrastructure catching up but but if that's, I mean, then there's no reason for, like, for someone like me to just sit there and say, okay, well, the CPI is this and the LTV is this. The algorithm algorithm would take care of that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, in that sense, I guess it would be this thing that, like, you just, I guess the difference would be, like, there is the toaster repairman on your team. Um, and maybe you only have a team of toaster repairmen instead of people making toast, because uh, that's what the algorithm does but but yeah i mean i, I think in general like it, it just makes sense to move that that way and, and so um you know the question becomes then what does a ua what does the ua team think about like if you don't have to think about the mechanics of the campaigns then then what are you what are you sort of like what are you freed up to think about and then i think um you know that is very much like okay well let's take a step back and we know what this particular what the contribution of this particular um, new user is for, for this property, but then, like, okay, we've actually brought them into an ecosystem of properties. And, and I talked about convergence a minute ago, and I think that's, that's why things are moving this way. It's like you had a couple people that, that got big early, and they have a lot of users now, and it's, it's, it's really, really, really tough for new entrants to, to sort of gain any sort of appreciable market share, share now. And so all the big people are diversifying in a lot in the big portfolios. Um, and and so, you know, the, the next logical step would be for them to diversify outside of, of, of mobile uh, gaming or, you know, maybe not necessarily mobile gaming, but just getting off of mobile. And um, and so, so then you think about, okay, well, this person enters my ecosystem, what's that worth? And then how can I sort of like, you know, how can I devise like a, a user journey for them, that makes sense for, for what they want, for, for their tastes.
0: It sounds and, and like you're optimizing for a user to enjoy an entire theme park, not a specific ride. Until now, you've been like, how do we get people onto this roller coaster? And then you're talking about a time where you're like, how do we get people to have a great time in our entire theme park full of roller coasters and clowns and sugary donuts and like uh, more a more elaborate and consuming experience? yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's i mean, that's
1: that's my kind of general perspective on on where the industry is
0: headed. um okay a couple questions left so facebook in twenty fifteen and mobile they are a very they're a very powerful presence between the like app install ads between parse between the facebook audience network now mm. oh I've, I've met some very smart people, expressed some concerns that we're kind of handing all the power over to Zuckerberg and his good friends over there. What do you think about Facebook in Mobile UA in 2015?
1: Um, I'm a little bit conflicted because right now Facebook uh, is an advertiser on mobile dev memo.
0: Ah, well I'm sure um, they're wonderful and you think they're excellent and... That is like if you had a friend who had another opinion. What might their opinion be?
1: Well, look, I mean, I think Facebook's gotten big because they have the best product. I mean, if you if you think about targeting, if you think about just even the tools they have, um, and and now with Audience Network, I mean, it, it it's it's like the most effective product. And I even said this at GDC two years ago um, that I thought Facebook would be the majority of people spend, or sorry, not two years ago, a year ago. Um, and I, I think that's probably true now that that it, that it's the majority of people spend and I don't think it's because they bullied people into spending on them I think they just make the best tool um, and they have um, you know they what one cool thing that they did that was very early on even not 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 recently was they sort of built out this they allowed an ecosystem of um, of third-party tool providers to sort of build on top of their on top of their um, infrastructure. And, 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 okay, to, granted it's not an it's not an open ecosystem. I mean they, they have the you know the, the, the preferred partners. But but yes, yeah, so, I mean you get these these companies like Nanigans, which you know builds on top of Facebook, which is awesome. I mean Nanigans is probably the best um, buying tool for for mobile. So you know what? 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 What can you say to that? I mean, I, I don't think that they're the biggest because you know they've been unscrupulous or they've they've you know um, used their influence to 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 bully people or or um, gain an unfair competitive advantage. I think they're the, the biggest because they have the best tools.
0: Yeah, they just built a badass platform, a badass product. Yeah. Uh, And and do you think that will be the case a year from now when you make your next GDC prediction? Are you going to still say Facebook is this monster or do you think that... Because I agree, by the way, that Facebook is where most dollars are getting spent these days. I don't think that can last forever because nothing lasts forever. And I wonder personally whether that's a one-year timeline or whether that's a six-year timeline.
1: That's a good question. I I think it depends on whether Google gets its act together, and I think I don't know. I I, I think it's they still have the possibility that so so Google's still bigger on on mobile ad spending, but but than, than Facebook is. But but I think what Facebook has managed to do is build this completely vertically integrated um, development platform, like you mentioned before with parse and the audience network. So basically you build your app using Facebook's, you know, backend, um, which makes it really easy to plug into the rest of these tools, which makes it easy to do all this ad buying. And then, you know, and then, you know, Nanigans works with Facebook. So it's just, the, it's the easiest way to, to sort of do like, op, like LTV optimized campaigns. So, I think they've been really, really smart about just sort of like putting together this toolkit that covers everything. So it's just really easy to say, you know what, if I want to buy across all these other ad networks, I've got to integrate all their SDKs, why not just use Facebook? And I think that's part of the reason why they've picked up so much steam. Um, I guess the, the true question is like, can, if they can sort of like deliver tools that help um, developers move beyond mobile then, then, yeah, they, they'd they sort of be ahead in terms of, like, capturing the most advertising spend. Um, and when I talk about beyond mobile, I mean advertising beyond mobile. Um, that, I don't know, that, given the consolidation, given, given you know, the, this is the sort of cross-property idea that I, that I talked about before, I think, like, that could be what determines where the big developers spend the bulk of their money. Um, so getting the people beyond mobile. Because I think, like, any big, any big developer, like any big king or, or Supercell or whatever, they have the money and they're probably doing it right now to, to reach everybody they possibly can on mobile. And so for them, um, you know, the competitive advantage is reaching the people that they can't reach on mobile, they, that they can't reach through another mobile game or whatever um, through some other through some other medium. And and who's helping them do that? And right now, there aren't a whole lot of sophisticated tools to do that to drive to drive traffic to mobile games. Um, so I think you know, if Facebook comes in with that. Yeah, they probably would be like the dominant player. But if some other, if somebody else fixes that or or, or um, you know d- d- figures that out, then I think they could they could then have that big piece and then sort of build out the mobile marketing piece too.
0: Okay, two more questions. Second last one. Um, Twitter in 2015 is they is that relevant for you guys? Is Twitter a big part of your growth strategy? Do you think they have a long way to go on making those app install ads work? What are your perceptions on Twitter for your professional use? Yeah, Twitter's
1: great. I mean, I think the ad unit, it, 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 um, it's very sort of like, I don't know what's the right word. Um, it feels organic in, in the Twitter stream. So uh, yeah, I, I, Twitter has a great product and they have a great, uh, they have a great set of tools. And I, and I, I mean, I, you know, they, they have a lot of catching up to do if, if they want to reach Facebook levels. But I, I think um, they're on the right track.
0: Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. And then I guess the last question is what are the problems that you want to see solved one year from now? If I do another podcast call with you in a year and I'm like, man, remember way back in May of 2015 when the stupid thing was this stupid way, but now the stupid thing is this way cooler way. What is kind of broken in your opinion in the UA ecosystem or in the professional workflow? Um, so those
1: are kind of two different questions. So in the, the UA ecosystem, I would say what's broken is just general availability of data. Um, a lot of this stuff is still like pretty manual and it's, it's just generally, um, comes with a lot of friction in terms of getting like, you know, even just getting costs out of networks is, it's a really, it's a really painful process. Um, in terms of the professional workflow, I really, really hope that, you know, the used car salesmen, um, sort of find a new industry to work in. Uh, because I think the biggest pain point that I have are just you know the non the, the biggest pain point I have is is the, the nonstop barrage you know barrage of emails and, and even phone calls that I get you know of, of people being putting using these like super high pressure sales tactics in an industry that's one hundred percent data driven. <laughs> I mean, like I I have relationships with a lot of U A salespeople, but the only ones I have relationships with are the ones that are genuinely like fun people to hang around with that I see at conferences. And that's that's it. I don't have, you know, personal relationships because so-and-so got me a deal on something or whatever. Or they yeah. took me out to dinner. It, it it doesn't work like that. I mean, like, I couldn't justify spending on a network to my boss, um, you know, if, if that network was delivering, you know, unprofitable traffic. I just couldn't do it. There's too much visibility. So I, I think I just really, really, really wish that some of these people would would be less aggressive because it it really does, you know, add a level of frustration to what is otherwise like a really, really cool and interesting job.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're not the first to say that. I think it's lots of the junior salespeople. They come in, they're like, oh man, I can be LinkedIn friends with the guy who runs growth at Rovio. And, and now I've got this like really great email template that I've been using on these. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I imagine that's not the future. As you say, this is so data driven. It's also so frothy. There's so much money to be made that you can see why everybody's dogpiling into it. It's just that we have very little filter on on sort of experience or quality or decency as applied to just hiring practices, it would seem in this space.
1: Yeah, and I've heard I've also just heard these crazy shady stories about, you know, companies being set up. Um, you know, you, you come up with a, a UA-ish sounding name, App Explode or something. I just made that up. I, don't, I hope there's not an actual company named that. But, you know, and then you just, you, you basically reach out to all these companies. Oh, just do a test with us. Run a $10,000 $10, IO. And, you know, you get 10 of those, right? You just made hundred um, dollars And then you either don't deliver any traffic or you deliver, like, you know, 50 installs, and, oh, it just takes a while for the optimi- optimization algorithm to, to to get the hang of things, like, just give us another test, of course they're not going to, but then you just shut the company down and do it again, I've, he- I've heard of that happening.
0: That's bonkers.
1: Yeah, it, that, I mean, that's just genuine fraud, and, and I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that, that you know, I have to put up with emails from people like this all the time. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay. This was supposed to be 20 minutes. It's been half an hour long. Very, very informative. Thank you for your time, sir. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll, uh, I'll send you a link of this. We'll check it out, and before I publish it, I'll make sure that you're good with everything.
1: Okay, cool. I, I, I'm sorry there's some stuff that I couldn't be totally forthcoming on. Um uh, it's exciting. Like you're
0: there's cool stuff going on that I don't know about. Cool. Okay. Have a great one, Eric. All right, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.